Welcome to Arcade Couch, the best place to join your friends and get your gaming goodness every Monday. My name is Dylan Blight, and joining me on the couch this week, Ashley Hobley. Hey, Dylan, excited to be here for another week on the couch. Good, Still good. on the couch. Good, good job. Also here, Kira Munchen. Hey, Dylan and Ashley, I'm excited to be here on the couch with both of you and everybody listening at home who's not on the couch, because if all of them were on the couch, there wouldn't be much room. And I'd probably lose like the coins that I'm keeping in the back of the couch. They um, could be in their own couches. Well, we don't have an. Hey Siri! Though. I hope that set off someone's thing. Or my own. It set off my own phone. Of course it did. Never mind. It, well, you know, that's what you get. Not, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I think someone's like listening, sitting on their couch, just in their nice uh, listening room to put their podcast listening room. You know, that's. Mm. I'm sure that's a thing that exists, or if it doesn't, it'll exist sometime in the future. Uh, anyway, yeah, this wearing week like on the show, a robe and like a smoke yeah, that's what. Yeah, I, I like to picture that's fire. how people listen to my. I just uh, like, I really hope there's one person listening in front of like, uh, like a nice wood fire with like a glass of brandy and like a smoking pipe, like in a nice smoking jacket. Just like, if that's you, send us a picture because. This ain't the this it. ain't the quality of content that's worth that effort. But sure, I go enjoy it. Enjoy that stogie with something else. Uh, so what we do have this week on the show though is news about Jason Schreier leaving Kotaku, which we're going to talk about. Gamescom news, uh, Pokemon Go, adding remote raiding, and we're going to talk about Animal Crossing and turnips because oh my goodness, it's a fucking black market out there, everyone. But first, <laughs> let's jump into. Uh, this fucking crazy Xbox that got revealed because I want to hear if Kieran's going to splash out. So they've revealed iGen Riots after teasers and some le- leaks. Microsoft has revealed the Cyberpunk 2077 limited edition Xbox One console bundle. The console is set to launch in June, three months before the Cyberpunk's September 17th release date. Uh, it appears to have a digital version coming with it. Both the console and the previously seen Cyberpunk controller feature designs straight out of Night City, including a glow-in-the-dark message on the console that says no future, along with themed custom panels that take after the game's futuristic setting. The controller features Johnny Silverhand's black and silver color scheme, along with touches of red. Um, Kieran, come on. It looks amazing. Like, it looks really good. (laughs) Like, it looks... look. If this wasn't a potential new console year mm. and it wasn't like, and I wasn't already planning on getting Cyberpunk on my PC because it's going to look amazing, um, I'd be thinking about this. It's interesting that they've, they're releasing, like it's coming out in June, even though, you know, because they don't want to release a console like this too close to where they're potentially releasing next generation consoles. So they're just yeah. staggering it against the game's release. I think. Obviously, it's probably this was initially planned for the game's release if it had gone ahead a couple of days ago. I think it was something like two days ago. We, would have, we should have been playing Cyberpunk. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting that they're having to do this to try and get as many buys of that console as possible before it's kind of sat there against a brand new console where it's kind of like, well, why spend the money on this when we can just pick up a new one? Yeah, because the important thing and interesting thing about this console is, like, taking into account worldwide events, you have to imagine they had, like, got all the custom parts necessary, the the whatever, and all the bits necessary um, ages ago, you know, like, (laughs) taking that into account. And it was, uh, as you said, I presume it was because they got this whole in motion 
well before the delay for Cyberpunk even happened or around the same time the delay for Cyberpunk happened. So, And it's kind of worked out well for them now, I guess, because now, it, yeah, it means they can have the console come out and not come out and people be like, well, why would I buy it? Like, is, isn't the next Xbox out like a month after this? What, what's the fucking point? Even then, I guess hardcore people, collectors would probably still buy it, but the chance of having people be like, yeah, yeah, like... You got more it's chance like with of people. Stuff like when I bought my limited edition Gears of War Xbox was because I was looking at buying an Xbox anyway, and I was like, "Oh, the new Gears of War one's about to come out. I may as well mm. just wait and grab that one." That's not really going to be that kind of person there this time around for it. Um, I will say, my God, does so far all kind of related merch to Cyberpunk is like amazing, like. This console looks awesome. I was so jealous of everybody who got one of those reversible bomber jackets from like E3 or from the dev team themselves because they looked awesome and not just like one side looked awesome. Both the reversible sides looked great and I was quite yeah. jealous. Disappointed they didn't bring any to PAX last year. Mm. Mm. Damn straight. It's uh, so I'm still amazingly over the top excited for Cyberpunk. It's probably the game that'll crush me the most if it gets delayed for some COVID reason. I'd like to think it's not going to be, but my God, that it would it would, it would well, break my heart. We didn't go over it last week, but there was that story that um, they reckon that the they're going to have a day one patch that's going to include audio for certain characters in the game because they're having to work from home now, which potentially means that people who either are reviewing the game or if the game like le leaks early in Australia, like Final Fantasy did, would be playing a version of the game where certain characters don't even have audio. <laughs> audio, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That's just how the world is. Some some of the people in 20, Cyberpunk 27.7 don't have voices. Yeah. Fit it in. <laughs> they sure. just have subtitles. That's all they have. Yeah. That's real life, yeah. They, I, mean, um, I, I tell you what, you better hope you like this game if you buy this <laughs> I'm assuming it's going to cost like $10 million as well. So, well, I um, think it, it won't be much more than the normal standard price for an Xbox One X, which no. is still inexuberant at the moment for consoles of this generation. Yep. So I expect some people to go, you know, hoarding, mass buying uh, collector's editions of this in the hope that it gets very good reviews. I reckon, this will actually, I reckon this will cost as much or close to as much as the Series X. That's that's my that's my bet. I don't think so. Not with the um Why? Because it's painted differently? I don't think it'll be that much. I don't it'll think be it'll be an extra three hundred dollars. It'll yeah, be ridiculous. Glow in the dark paint. It'll be ridiculous if they come out with something this expensive now. Like they're already like against a trying market with releasing another console edition this close to a next generation. Um so yeah, I don't think it'll be that much more expensive. Also, am I correct in thinking that it's, there's stuff on both sides? Yes. Right? So there's yeah, yeah. so it has to be vertical, otherwise you're not doing it properly. No, no, no. It's reversible like the bomber jacket. You can flip it over. If you <laughs> <laughs> Even though that would mean the console would be upside down and probably not the greatest for the disc. But who uses discs anymore? Digital media. There he is. There he goes. Um, maybe the, I'm hope it'd be cool if they had the Xbox controller separately. That's my one like Request. No, but that's Request. how they get you. They don't. They're not going to put that separately. No, I like no. how the. I like well, the, they like should the, do it separately the, once they've sold out of the console. <laughs> Maybe when they can't Maybe. sell anymore, then you know, I'm sure the controller is much easier to sell than the 
But isn't it? It's more valuable if it's more value to them as sellers if there's a limited number of them. Not to Microsoft is. Yeah, hell yeah, it is. It'll mean that their consoles will sell. Some some spud will buy yeah, one of these consoles why they'd because wait of the controller. All the consoles are sold, and then you sell mm. the controllers separate. But you got to have that hope. Not give people that hope. If you yeah, you don't announce hope, it. You lie to them and say that it's never going to come. It's never going to come separate. You don't lie. And then E three happens. Do you think you Popper feels better? Exo Exo twenty whatever it's called happens. Like, guess what? Here are these cyberpunk controllers. <laughs> Just throw them into the crowd. I, that'll hurt. That's are you works. really going to throw a controller at somebody in a crowd? Yep. I'm pretty sure they did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, not gonna, that's not a realistic thing to talk about these days because crowds no longer exist. That's so. true. Well, if you throw it into the crowd, it'll just hit the ground. Yeah, hit the ground. So the crowds aren't around. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next story is about Half-Life Alex, which apparently someone has done a horrible thing and turned it into a non-VR game. Uh, so Kotaki writes, uh, this isn't an ideal way to play the game, but if you absolutely need to play Half-Life Alex and don't have a VR headset, you now can. This mod by R57Zone basically locks... Alex's hands out in front and lets you control the action with the mouse and keyboard, keeping the visual centered in a way that mostly looks okay and kind of serviceable, serviceable, I guess, though not really on a traditional monitor. Um, so there's a GIF in this article and it shows basically you're watching, it's not like an actual uh, third person shooter character turning. It's literally like the entire screen is turning as they play. It is the most horrible thing i think i've seen in my life personally and i think the whole i think the whole thing about people trying to mod this game and make a non-vr game unmoddable uh is like i like i understand why because people are big half-life fans and they want to play it like i understand where they're coming from but at the same time i think the the way people are acting like they owed a non-vr version and all these sorts of things i think is kind of ridiculous and Okay, like if, think- if you love Half Life so much, do you really want to experience the story and everything in literally the most uninteresting way. way imaginable? Is that how and you want to experience the game? You've got to be look for me from my point of view. It's either looking at it two ways: either if you are a big Half Life fan and you can't wait for this, I, I would presume you would want to like play this in actual legitimate fashion, like in the way that it's intended, and you will save up and find a way to get yourself a VR headset as soon as possible. But also, like the way I'm looking at this is, I'm just excited for when VR becomes more accessible for everybody. I'm just excited for when I get to go back and play these experiences when I do eventually have VR. Like, imagine, like it's going to be like the case of. Instead of buying a new console like a PlayStation 4 and there only being five, six games available for it, I'm going to buy a VR console, even though it's not going to be new. It's going to be a different model of it. And I'm going to have everything, all this stuff to play on it. And I'm excited for that and I look forward to it. I don't think there's a need to rush and try and, you know, play this uh, in a way that is not really functional. Yeah. Well, the other part I don't get is if you're, if you're like, oh, but I'm a huge Half-Life fan and I'm afraid of spoilers or something, and you really cannot get a headset, wouldn't you just go watch a Let's Play these days instead of, like, playing it in the most horrible yep. way imaginable? Like, <laughs> if, if you really are worried about the story 
Wouldn't you just go watch a Let's Play? Man, you know what? I see all these Half-Life tweets, like really, they don't get shrouded and covered up by all these Animal Crossing tweets that happen every single day of my life. Um, there's no way I'd avoid these spoilers. I don't think I've seen a single Half-Life Alex tweet, mm. except that it's e- good. Exactly. <laughs> I will say that these are these modders were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, and they didn't <laughs> stop to think if they should. And it's a real shame because it's a horrendous, horrendous act that they've committed against. I think the it's a crime against humanity. <laughs> it, it, it is. I mean, if you if you see this footage and you're like, yeah, I want to play that, uh, there's something seriously wrong with you. <laughs> I mean, it, it'd be simple to stop them <laughs> being able to play the game in this fashion. I mean, the it's way like- they've done it is they've locked their hands in place. Like right in front of you. Yeah. So all you need, all they would need to do is like make something that they need to get, like a key or something to progress. Like you have to reach across something to grab it. Well, and then there's, it's there's, there's interesting. It's like, like Batman. You know, like, back in the day, the Arkham Asylum, yeah, the way yeah. they, they did with the, you couldn't do like a double jump if you pirated the game. I find, I want to know how they do a lot of things in the game because like for, to reload ammo, for example, you have to reach up to your shoulder and then you pull a clip out from there and then put it into your gun and all these things. Maybe they've so hotkeyed it or something. I yeah. guess they would have hotkeyed it so or automatically. Maybe though. they've been able to rec- like they've been able to record a motion of a sensor and then macro it to a button. button. So when you press the R button to reload, the hand automatically goes back and reloads it for you. But then you're also aiming completely rigidly. When a lot of the game's firefights are designed <laughs> around VR and where you peek around corners and, you know, you, it's, it's hard or to describe. But, when yeah. you're using both hands independently of each other, like you're shooting with one hand and trying to, like, grab Do something some, with, like, yeah, your yeah. gravitational stuff with the other or... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't really... stupid. And, like, I've seen... And I, I think I said, I said this to you after I was recording something last week or whatever. This whole argument that... The game is uh, should be made playable in non VR because of um, accessibility, accessibility options and all this sort of shit. Um, is <laughs> one argument about accessibility options I am not on board with, and I think it's a bunch of shit. And it's just people using that excuse to try and uh, come up with a reason why there should have been a non VR ver- version. Because the, it boils down to this: the game has accessibility options in it. It has a one-handed control option. It has a standing sitting option. It has like, you know, it has all these variables for, but they all center around one thing. The game's VR. There's no way around the game not being VR. However, if you can put the fucking headset on your head, we then have accessibility options for you from that moment onwards, which is the way it it should be. You know, that's, that's, there's a barrier of entry. And then let's make it different accessibility options uh, well, uh, after that like, point. Kind of thing. It's the same barrier of entry as a bunch of stuff. Listen, Last of Us is terribly inaccessible because I can't play it on my Xbox One. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's like what are you going to do about that, Naughty Dog? When are you going <laughs> to stop being ableist against those of us who don't have Xbox, who PlayStation Fours? Even with like a legitimate accessibility item, like the Xbox Adaptive Controller. Mm-hmm. That wasn't around for the entire life cycle of the Xbox system. Like, people have had to deal with a normal Xbox controller. It's not like that was instantly available for everybody. Sadly, things have to sometimes do take time to be accessible. And I think even with that 
point, like Valve has done like, like something above and beyond to make sure games are accessible. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't, I don't it, it really does boil down to people being like, I don't have the money to buy a luxury VR headset, and it's like, well, yeah, you and millions of other people. <laughs> like, that's the, that's the end of the argument. You know, there's no oh, it should be it should be non first person, and it's also really weird because. People get up in arms about, oh, the developers don't try and they, they should be allowed to do what they want to do. And people only use that argument when they want something <laughs> or they're like trying to stand up for a certain developer or whatever in certain cases. And then straight away when it, it, it becomes something that they don't want, they're like, well, this is bullshit. You should have made a non-VR version. And then, the, and then Valve's like, well, we can't. Like it's the whole game is designed around VR. We wanted to make a VR game, blah, blah, blah. Did and then all of a sudden they're like, well, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> didn't valve even come out like when this was initially like uh announced and everything didn't valve say hey we tried to make a non-vr version of this game and it was i think not good. In, like i think was- in that jeff Keighley thing that came out when it was announced or whatever the original interview he asked them about it and they said they they played or like tested or maybe p- thought about the idea but then was just like well it would completely they would have to re- Re, redo redo so, so many things and remake the game basically that it's like what the way we're, we're destroying our initial vision and point of the game which is to make a immersive vr game so it's like what's the what's the point then yeah so this is stupid don't do it um if you want to play it in vr do the cheapest option which is what i've been doing which is buy an oculus quest and get the fucking cable for it or i don't even have the proper cable you can just buy a Listen, it's a different cable. The cheapest option is make friends with someone with a VR unit and then yeah, well, borrow it. Not not at the moment because you can't go to the house. But and if you want to just double check, <laughs> you think you you're still thinking, hey, maybe this VR mod, this maybe this will work. Maybe it's not that bad. What I want you to do is just get a friend. Not well during self isolation, <laughs> it's bad. Friend. But if you've got if you've got a little brother or a little sister or somebody else in your household that can do it, pick any first person shooter. Stand in the middle of your living room and ask the other person to pick up the TV and you move around and as you move around, ask them to follow you with the TV in your di- in the same direction. And you will quickly notice how terrible of an idea that is. And just just stop. Just don't do it. Thank you for listening to my TED talk. That's a good TED talk. Um, right, so next thing is about loot boxes. And I don't know how and when this could potentially come into effect Australia, but either way, the ESRB uh, this past week has added a new rating thingy, mob, mob, whatever you want to call it, that is now going to say on the bottom of games, in-game purchases includes random items to point out when a game now includes loot boxes or what they're calling random items of sorts so um any any randomized loot boxy type thing is now going to have uh this thing i i do want to point out this one thing because i wrote up this whole blog post about like why and all this sort of stuff but i found the why not say loot boxes they write here and they said loot box is a term that doesn't encompass all types of randomized in-game purchase mechanics. We want to ensure that the new label covers all transactions with randomized elements. In-game purchases includes random items, accounts for loot boxes and all similar mechanics that offer random items in exchange for real world currency or in-game currency that can be purchased with real money. 
Moreover, we want to we want to avoid confusing consumers who may not be familiar with what a loot box is. Recent research shows that less than a third of parents have both heard of a loot box and know what it is. Loot box is a widely understood phrase in and around the video game industry and among dedicated gamers, but most people less familiar with games do not understand it. While the new label is primarily in response to feedback from game enthusiasts, it is still essential that all consumers, especially parents, have clear understanding of the rating information we provide. And um, that part is the part that makes the most sense and whatever else because when i saw it at first i was oh, why not just write loot boxes that's what everyone knows what a loot box is but then it's like well no parents and whatever no. else and i also found the number of only one third of parents don't know what it means and whatever else and it's like well that oh, seems my, high that seems very high <laughs> well it, um, it comes back to it comes back to like my understanding of it back to my good old gta iv was working <laughs> in the game store when gta 4 was out and the amount of parents that would come in with their kid clearly buying the game for their child and being like, hey, do you know what's in this game? Like, do you do you understand what like kind of stuff's in this game? And you explain a no, little bit. No, it's a bit, video and, game. And a lot of a lot of the parents that are you know a little bit more, um, I don't know what the best word is, but it's, the on, moment they understand, try and come on, up with it. Try, yeah. The moment they kind of understand a little bit better. You see the kid give you the greasy eyes, and the parent put the game the game That's back the best feeling. and <laughs> pick up like Sonic the Hedgehog or something. Like it's uh, yeah, it's um, it's interesting to know even in today's world where so much is accessible and so much information's out there, how little people from like outside of the gaming kind of industry and world really know about games and know about things. So it's uh, yeah, it's up to these kind of rating systems to really be able to inform them in the best possible way to assist with purchasing. Yeah. I, I think this is great news and we'd, we've covered different stories on here about different sorts of people wanting to tackle the whole loot boxy type aspect of video games in different ways. Some of them would have been really bad, like the way we've talked about certain politicians or uh, political groups, parties, which would uh, affect, the video game industry in a really negative way and light and potentially affect uh, the production of games in significantly bad ways. However, the SRB just including this now doesn't affect A, how developers get to make their games, B, how publishers get to publish their games. It simply means that there is now a thing that the ESRB can stamp on the box that tells gamers consumers parents whoever exactly what is in it and that means it can now say includes random items and we'll all know what that means so yeah i think it's just it's the the, the best this is this is what should have happened i don't know why this didn't happen sooner really is my question also it stops people t telling ERCB they need to do something about this yeah well okay like, yeah. hey, we got this thing that we stick on there now stop yeah. complaining about it yeah we did our job thumbs up well, I, I do think some of that might be fair. Like, um, so if they stick this on like Fortnite or whatever, for example, it says includes random items, in-game purchases, whatever. And then if you see a story like a year from now of little mummy, whatever, over in the corner going, my kid fucking spent a thousand dollars on my Fortnite gift credit card. I had no idea. And it's like, well, hey. You gave him the credit card. Look, B, look at the, the digital box. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> A, you gave him the credit card. That's silly. B, the game literally says it has in-game purchases. Um, like you should have looked into any of these things more than <laughs> what you obviously did. So this yeah. is going to show my ignorance slightly when it comes to 
physical media because of my digital communism. Oh, here we go. Um, is there, are there, well, digital communism was a terrible phrase. Don't <laughs> Sorry, forget I said that, everyone. Um, <laughs> digital um, communism. Communism. <laughs> Somebody please. What does that even mean? <laughs> a world where everybody should be given digital copies of everything equally. For no money? Yeah, for, I think everybody like, would no, enjoy that. To be everybody treated equally with digital purchases. Um, but That's good. Can you buy a physical copy of Fortnite? Is that actually a thing? Yeah, you I can. I imagine you can buy a box with the code in it. Yeah, it, you can okay. buy the game right. and it just it just comes with um V-Bucks. Like you're you're basically uh, paying for the V Bucks in store, like, yeah. th- but they sell it as like here's the game, just V Bucks, whatever. You know, you can buy yeah. Apex Legends. Same thing, really. Same like, thing. They're just purchasing currency. It comes with like skins, special skins or whatever. I think it's no different than the, like if you look on the PlayStation Store, they have like the Octane pack for like thirty bucks and all these other characters and whatever. Same sort of thing. It comes with like limited edition skins that you can only get that way and whatever else. Interesting. That's uh, okay. It's an interesting sales model. There you go. Yeah. Well, it works, I guess. It's like, I don't know. Like, it's in a storefront. There's no other way to get these free-to-play games in a storefront, really, unless you have something there. So, uh, but yeah. So, that's cool. Exciting. Uh, not really super exciting, but just, just generally good. Um, so, Pokemon Go has added, uh, is adding, they're not live as of recording, but uh, they're adding remote raid passes, which I find interesting for potentially the game going forward and then also to see the, the, the fact that they kind of worked on this quickly or maybe they was already working on it in the background i don't really know but I'm just going to run down the dot points here and give thoughts on it so you'll require so you'll be able to get remote raid passes from store when they launch you'll be able to get a bunch at sam's for one poker coin which is like no money um and basically you will be able to join any raid that you can see within your map in game. So anything that you can click on, even if it's, it's uh, like a, the like shopping center, 10 minutes yeah. up the road from you, as long as you can click on the poker center there where there's a, a raid happening, you'll be able to join it. Now they haven't gave exact numbers, but it seems you'll, there'll only be a certain amount of remote raid past people able to join a particular raid. Like you can't do a full raid of remote, raid passes it seems um or, or i think they're going to have that number higher at the moment and it sounds like they're going to keep this around as a feature once the world returns to normal and then they're going to drop it down because they also say that um remote raiders that's i think that's the terminology we're going to go with remote raiders uh at the moment while we're dealing with the crisis in the world you're going to have fully powered up pokemon or whatever all your pokemon will be at normal stats when you join and it seems that when the world when and if the world returns to normal, <laughs> uh, remote raiders will have a uh you the power of your pokemon will be kind of reduced if you're raiding further away so it punishes you for not for actually being yeah. at the place to do the raid yeah, um, because your your pokemon's moves take longer to travel that distance maybe yeah I, I would smart, be interested to see if visually it represents the remote raiders the differently to the, the the greater the distance, the less damage, and the more negatives there are for you. Yeah, maybe something <laughs> like that. Um, so on the thing it says at launch, trainers battling in raids remotely have the same attack power as trainers who are able to battle at the raid location in person. 
At a later time, the attack power for trainers battling remotely will be reduced. Afterward, a trainer battling at the raid location in person will have higher attack power than a trainer battling remotely. So they want to make sure that the, the people who are actually, when everything goes back to normal, they want to make sure that people are willing to go to a location the raid are still going to get the highest chance of being able to defeat it. And then potentially also, I guess, um, would make sense that they would maybe add that the people there get higher rewards than the people who are remote raiding as well. Um, so I think this is obviously good timing uh, that this is in now because, you know, the whole world's in fucking lockdown. It can't go anywhere. So this is no great. No one's been playing Pokemon Go. No one's been. Well, people have, they've been doing a pretty good job, I'd say, Niantic have been with Pokemon, uh, uh, like adapting to this world. Like they, they were straight away like, changing the reduced eggs, uh, giving people free more gifts, uh, like uh, increasing the lure times. And like, they was doing as much as they can to try and make people still be able to play their game uh, from both a customer friendly standpoint, but then also obviously from a business standpoint, which is that if everyone stops playing their fucking game, they're not making any more money, you know? Yeah. So I, from both ends of the stick, it seems to be. I think this is, this is great, obviously for the current time, I'm amazing for the current event we're in. I'm going to be super interested to see how this goes in normal world circumstances and how many remote raiders are allowed in. And i got to be honest, I'm hoping it's a low number because I'm not a big fan of like 50-50 or anything like that. I do think like the game's designed around getting you getting out there and when everything goes back to normal if you're able to just get one less item from a raid and just do it from home all day or something like that i'm gonna be like okay that's that's not great although um something to always take into account with this stuff is that for people who um for accessibility type reasons they can't get out and drive a car around or walk uh, walk around themselves or whatever who do enjoy playing this game this does open them up the ability to play the game more from home. Uh, so that's obviously quite cool. Um, but yeah, Ash, what do you think? You haven't played the game for a while, but... No, I haven't played it. I mean, it makes sense, I guess, if you're paying for this ability to do this thing. I mean, that's fine. I, I wouldn't be aggrieved too much if, if I got the same... I was in the same raid as somebody who paid X amount of dollars to be in the raid as well. I yeah. Mean, well, yeah, that's... Yeah, at the moment, it seems that raid passes, the remote raid passes will be cheaper during COVID-19 times, but then they will go up when the world returns yeah. to, not, to normal. So if they're yeah. paying like 200 pokey coins or whatever. Yeah. I think they should be double. I don't know, know what the... I, I think normal raid passes are like 100 poker coins. So it's like if they make these remote ones at least like 150 or 200, like more expensive than normal raid passes, then yeah. That's... I think that's an even sort of. No, yeah, and it makes sense, like to add that to the game. It's like, oh, there's this cool raid, like twenty minutes down the road, or like ten minutes down the road, but I don't have enough time to get all the way over there. I'll just use this remote raid thing to get into it to get. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the amount of times I've seen raids down the road while I'm at work, and I'm like, "Fuck, can I shut up shop?" <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> you be you be. Buying all them remote raids so you yeah. can play from work. Damn, farming. Damn right farming from the comfort of your petrol station. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I like it. Charge to the business See, credit though. card. Yeah. Especially at the moment. Fucking work's dead at night time. I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, some other random things I want to run over in this that I, f- I thought were cool additions coming soon uh, for Pokemon Go. Maybe out by the time this episode's out. Uh, so everyone's going to start receiving a free field task every day at midnight now. That'll t- take up a, an extra slot. So you could, currently you was able to have three field tasks on the go at a time. And obviously you'll get field tasks from spinning uh, poker, poker stops. Uh, so now you're going to get one delivered daily, no matter what. As, and um, well, unless you've already got one there, you need to make sure you clear it. Or else it won't replace it. Um, you're now going to have your buddy. This is another funny part. It's like your buddy Pokemon will now just go find you gifts. Apparently, like if you've got your buddy Pokemon, they'll just wander off and they'll bring back gifts for you. And then you can send the gifts to your friends, and then other people will be able to send you gifts. <laughs> All of this is obviously an effort to help make the game more playable at home without having to leave to go spin spin anything. It's it's really adapting the game ASAP to a world complete 180 direction to how they designed the game uh, originally. So, uh, and then there's some quality of life stuff here that I'm super happy about. So I have to mention it. So you'll now be able to power up your Pokemon to the desired CP you want without having to click randomly, like up, 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 which is just so silly that you couldn't just before be like, I want to get this Pokemon to, as close to 1500 CP so I can enter the Great League because the game's a lot about Battle part, uh, battle League now. But you could just had to do it one step at a time. So you click like, level up, watch the animation. Level up, watch the animation. It's sit there taking like fucking 10 minutes slowly leveling up a Pokemon. It's like, why can't I just click do to max CP? And there you can. So thank you for that. Um, you can now activate another lore, star piece or incense without having to wait for the other one to end. Thank fucking Lord for that, because the amount of times I've had a lure or something on and it's got like 30 seconds left, I'm like, just fucking finish. I can activate another one. Um, and now, in the battle screen, when you're doing battle, battle league, you'll be able to see Pokemon's types, as well as if a move is super effective or not, which seems silly, because it's a fucking Pokemon game, and you'd think that would just be basic shit that would be in a battle mode of the game. However, as we know, the battle mode uh, hasn't been out that long, and they're constantly sort of tweaking and improving it. So that's great. Because I haven't been playing po- much Pokemon Go lately, obviously, because I don't leave the house unless I you don't go to work. Anywhere. That's it. Hey. You don't go anywhere. That's why. No, yeah, I don't go anywhere. Fucking, I literally drive from here to work and, and back, and that's that's it. Other than that, that's I I don't leave the house. Um, but I was enjoying playing Battle Battle League a lot. Obviously, uh, like a couple months ago before this whole <laughs> fucking shit started off. <laughs> so I'm hoping shit. between all of this, I will potentially be able to get back into uh, enjoying playing a bit more of Pokemon Go from home in the safety of my bedroom i don't know <laughs> whatever all right so i will say yeah i made the joke a while ago but uh if pokemon the pokemon company drops their pokemon sleep app like soon that'd be really helpful good <laughs> get into that yeah You're a hardcore pokemon sleep player po- pokemon sleep now's play. the time <laughs> yeah, twi- it's a pro <laughs> twitch streamer of pokemon sleep coming up <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so let's go over some uh, eventy type stuff. So, firstly, following up on stuff we've talked about last week or the week before, I can't even remember. Uh, it's now official. Gamescom 2020 is going to be a digital only event. Last time we talked about it, they thought they were going to do like a half half type thing and still be able to do the, the the live show. And of course, was like, well, that ain't happening. It ain't happening. Germany said, no, you can't. Like government wise, <laughs> Germany was like, no fucking ish being out of here um that was a horrible joke but it's 
<laughs> uh, so the Gamescom Twitter wrote, it's official. Unfortunately, Gamescom will be under no circumstances take place on site in Cologne this year. Just like many of you, we're disappointed because as a Gamescom team, we've been working as on a wonderful Gamescom 2020 for months, just like the many exhibitors. However, it was also quite clear to us that in the face of the corona pandemic, we must stand united. This means that we must all be considerate of each other and reduce the risk of infection. Try telling that to the fucking Americans doing fucking... I'm not getting into it. Anyway, we are, however... <laughs> Already working on, on, at full speed on the digital Gamescom. It is, after all, the world's biggest event for games. And that's what it should be again this year. You can already look forward to, to how we will celebrate the best games and games come together with you and millions of gamers worldwide at the end of August. Even if it'll only be a digital and not on location this time. Because one thing is certain, this year, too, Gamescom is and will remain the heart of gaming. Um, and then also, if you're worried about if people got fucked over, they made sure to mention that all paid tickets will be refunded. So Boom. there's no there's no if buts and wheres around that. Unfortunately, I would assume that people who paid for flights and accommodation already, they're going to be fighting their own battles and they're potentially just fucked out of pocket, which is unfortunate. But um, that's the way it's going to be for concerts or anything else that anyone that's sort everything. of booked holidays, whatever, you know. Just depends on the circumstance of what you're booking and everything, sadly. Yeah. Um, so good luck with you if you're doing that. It's good they refunded the tickets though. Like that's the most yeah. they can kind of help out with and do. So that's yeah. good. Um, I am I am personally looking forward to a digital only Gamescom show because, as I was talking about, like if Jeff Keighley does go down to his backyard and record something and <laughs> whatever <laughs> else they they combine. Do you, do you think it'll be better for people who don't who aren't attending? Because I don't think. I've never been super attached to Gamescom because I feel like it's more of a convention where you actually need to be at there. the event itself yeah. and be more interactive. I think for people who don't normally have that or don't have the ability to do that, I think this year will probably be one of the best years for Gamescom for them. Um, and I think it'll be a lot more accessible for everybody. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think, well, let, let's lay out the facts here. They claim they're the biggest show because they are. Like, numbers-wise, attendees-wise, Gamescom is the biggest games convention, right? E3 is the most talked-about one because it has the... It's the biggest in the public consciousness. Yeah, because it's one where they have all the press conferences and this sort of stuff. So, E3 has that yeah. attached to it. However, for years, E3 was a press-only event, and they didn't have the numbers. E3 recently has tried to become Gamescom. Gamescom has kind of been swinging around the other direction because over the last two years, they've started putting more effort into... Uh, live streamy type stuff including the jeff Keeley type thing that they did last year of course so i don't know if they would say like this is going to be the best year for gamescom because they ain't going to make the money that they would have obviously it it's, may be it's a good be the year. best for us yes for people who aren't at gamescom <laughs> yes. uh, it, will, will it be the best year for people like us podcasters fucking bloggers whatever have you yeah i would presume so <laughs> it's going to work out quite well for us i think um which you know pluses and negatives there it could also just work out really well for gamescom in getting um more publicity more pe people's eyes on it as a general event to help appreciate it maybe if they put on a really good digital event it just means that next year if everything's okay by next year uh that they will be able to do a nice mix of not only are we now the biggest we're still the biggest fucking convention with you know 300 million people whatever the fuck attend um yeah and then also do an amazing digital event at the same time I think it's like 330,000 realistically, that not 300 million, but um, so maybe next year they'll have a, a a good combination of both, which would be really cool to I see. I think, which is interesting when we go from 
when we previously discussed E3 potential and what happens with E3 around the system where we're like, well, this could be the death of E3, I think Gamescom is very different. I think this is where Gamescom can prosper from this crappy situation where they can improve their digital reach and their content that is provided people externally to the convention and then learn lessons from that for next year when they hopefully have their full convention running at the same time as the same live digital provided events. Yeah. One thing I will say, because like as of recording, they haven't said really much about what their plans are other than that they're working on them. And we already knew that they were working on a backup plan or a degree of a digital show anyway. But I would say that they still have a high potential to make some money here because I, in what world can you not set up a thing where you charge people for digital tickets to get access to limited run demos, uh, events, live streams to, to gameplay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I would be perfectly fucking okay with that. Like if you're gonna be like, oh, ten dollars to watch a to watch a developer play a game or some shit, be like, well, it's supporting people. It's putting money back <laughs> into the industry. Like yeah. it's, I'm like at this point, we're helping support there. the industry, aren't we? You know, like yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. So I I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen, and I would be okay with it. Um, Ash, how would you feel about like being charged for a digital event to play demos? I and mean, stuff? if there felt if there was like it felt like there was value there, then yeah, but. I mean, I don't think there's probably going to be a very small number of, like, I don't think you're going to get, like, the big name companies put the demo available to. You don't think, I don't think, I personally don't think CD Projekt Red is going to put a Cyberpunk 27.7 demo for anybody to play on their PC of any type. Oh, no. They well, maybe not Cyberpunk. Um, Cyberpunk. But yeah. I they, mean, they could still get on board with uh gameplay. I could see or them something. doing. I could see them doing like a dev gameplay of of like a segment, like a yeah, long but segment. We've seen them do dev gameplays before, and believe it or not, we didn't have to pay money for that. So I, I, do, I, I mean, it's all well and good to say, and it's going to be you're going to have this, but then I don't know how many people will, will be inclined to actually pay for it they'll be happy just to read the, the notes provided by an outlet like explosion network about what happened in the panel possibly and what's but in the game I, and i think obviously if they do a free event that's probably the the easiest way to keep everyone happy but i'm only saying money because i mean the- if it was if it was like a paid q a that might be something that i'd be like hey that that's sort of worth the money like something mm. you can but what if you interact got, with them. What if you got like, as like, for instance, in the past, like BlizzCon does it, and they did digital shit. Past, yeah. I've yeah. I've watched League did a past last year where you just spent your ten bucks or whatever or whatever small amount, mm. and it's just like you can you could go to any of these Q and As, you can participate, you can ask questions, you can access this stuff. Maybe it gives you access to a place where you can download some of the demos that maybe aren't available straight away. Yeah, as you just said, well, how about how about this? Everything's for all the potential streaming type stuff they do is free, but you have to pay to be able to write in the chat and all this sort of shit. Ten bucks. You have to be a ticket holder or whatever. You have to be a Twitch subscriber. That's what you're saying. 
Well, something no. like that. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Whatever it is. Something, yeah. something of the, <laughs> the equivalent. Yes. Yes. I, I, yeah. I'm only saying that, this that I, works in my mind at that price point. When you first mentioned, I'm like, oh, like thirty something ticket price. No. No, like, I'm thinking. I'm thinking like they can't charge too much. That'd be ridiculous. But I'm feeling like they could get away with charging like ten bucks for people for something because they have to still try and make money here. You know, like. Like, like they, they're not putting on a Gamescom, full stop. So then, so them as a company, whatever the official Gamescom company is, I don't know what the equivalent of like the ESA is for that, but um, I don't. I think they're just Gamescom, but um, they're not making any money this year, full stop. They've probably already lost money. Yes, like they've already lost like venue money. on venue money and stuff. Yeah, for sure. And so it's like money. It's like where the fuck are they making that money back? Are they other than I guess selling merch? But then people, a lot of people, don't want to buy merch at the moment because they're like, well. You know, that shit's touched. <laughs> like, I want to touch that. Don't put that on my body. So, yeah, I, I I just feel like they have to. If I was them, I would be trying to come up with a way to get s- some money out of people for this. If I was running Gamescom, and I would be like, "Look, y'all smarter than me in this boardroom. Figure this shit out. Find a way that we can charge people ten dollars each for." Because <laughs> if if you get look look at the amount of people they'll probably view this thing, it'll be a lot. Everyone's stuck at home. Easy. Whatever you games just advertise between panels. Yeah, that, that's typical. That's not enough money. Uh, they need a way to make more money. I feel not enough money. It's not enough money. No, it like, really like, isn't. So you could do all sorts of crap. If they're you know if they're focusing on Twitch, you can do crap like special emotes. People go crazy for one-time available emotes for Twitch, where there's like special streams that you can only access if you have the ten dollars that aren't the main streams but they are side streams of more in-detailed Q&As or more um, exclusive stuff that they can access. Supplementary material that's added onto the stuff that would be in the main show. It's like like you've gone to a restaurant and they're saying, here's the burger for free, Mm. but if you want your chippies on the side (laughs) or some nuggies... He's, you have to pay a couple extra dollars for the oh, chippies. So and the can I have some nuggies on the side, please? No, so, yeah, have some nuggies uh, or my chippies. So to go on to this now, I want to talk Wait, about. I found out who does games. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready? The Bandit Deutsch Games <laughs> Branch. You didn't say it with Do you want to try branch. again? No. <laughs> <laughs> it, it translates to the Association of the German Video Game Industry. Okay, well, that's pretty. Um, that adds up. <laughs> that, that's, so that's the association fine. of the the German video game industry, they're out of pocket <laughs> and they need some <laughs> dosh. You know what I'm saying? Them Germans, <laughs> they need that money. They need that money. Um, so Novik Digital Convention is actually happening uh, this coming uh, Friday through to Sunday. Next weekend? Next weekend. Uh, well, this weekend. This coming weekend. Yeah. This coming weekend, yeah. Um, so Luden, Luden Aerocom, it was on last week, uh, last year, sorry. It was on last year, so it's on for the second year. And they're trying to do bigger than bigger and better this year. It's put, it's put on by an Australian uh, publisher group, so that's uh, fellow traveller. So that's exciting. And basically, here's how the digital event is going to work. In the the if you want more information on this, the the news piece I wrote up is in the description, of course. But the event will tie together several different pages and sections of Steam and even the new events function that Steam recently added to bring together gameplay demos and panel discussions. So they are having all that. Developers will be able to exhibit their games by streaming behind the scenes content to their Steam store pages. And many of those will then offer a demo for gamers to play during the duration of Ludonericon. So these will be limited time 
demos through Steam that you'll be able to play. Panels will be streamed on the Central Theatre stream where you'll be able to find the Luda Nericon page on Steam. Uh, it is a completely free event. Uh, to run totally free, through say. stream. Yeah, free. Yeah, I know. But they're not... It's not Gamescom. Like, <laughs> they're not Gamescom. Not, yeah, they're not Gamescom. Yeah. So there's they a whole list be. of games here and they're all... The, the theme for Luda Nericon is narrative-based games which leads to a lot of uh indie type stuff in here um so some people that have signed on to uh either put up like a demo or like do a a talk or whatever are people that already have games out and some uh people that don't have games out so for example like coffee talk from toj productions tog productions is there uh but then we also have like best friend forever star cults there um frog detective 2 uh that's already out but that uh that's going to be included in this um, then you got some big ones like Boyfriend Dungeon and uh, from Kit Fox Games, which I'm really excited about. That's signed on. And there's a whole list of games uh, going to be evolved. And then you've got at least, uh, how many is there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's uh, 10 or 11 panels so far being announced. And they said they're going to have more coming as well. I presume these are all going to be either. I don't know, like they didn't officially say, I guess they could be pre-recorded panels that these people have got together and pre-recorded for Hangouts or whatever, Discord, whatever, or they could be live streaming, you know, from their own homes and answering in the chat at the same time. But since it's through Steam, I just think they're probably just going to be pre-recorded things, you know, it probably just makes them make more, more sense that way. But um, either way, it's a cool idea. Um it was it, it was decent last year. I remember being like, "Oh, this is a cool idea," but they didn't have like the massive panels or like the the the, the big list of uh, signed on exhibitors that they've got this year. It's weird saying exhibitors when it's a digital event, but anyway. Um, so I'm excited for this yeah. this coming weekend, Luda Nericon, uh, second year in a row. Uh, I'm keen to play some hopefully some demos for these sorts of things. Like um, I really want a demo of the Boyfriend Dungeon, like badly. So please let me just play fucking Boyfriend Dungeon. And some of these other games sound cool as well. So um, that's cool. Keep your eye on that this weekend, Friday, Sunday on Steam. Steam. That's the one. Steam. Steam. Yeah. All right. So Steam. Steam. Uh, Jason Schreier has left Kotaku. So (gasps) let's talk about this. I know it's a bit weird to talk about like someone leaving their job, but of course I feel like we had to talk about this because like many people, a lot of the big stories that we've covered on this show have come from uh, Jason Schreier. So I'm just going to leave. We've been uh, kind of been riding on his coattails for the last three years. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Well, a lot of the, like everyone else, a lot of the big stories are just Jason Schreier's. So I just want to read the first little bit of his uh, thing here. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's quite long. So he just wrote, press sneak out. After eight years and some change, I'm leaving Kotaku. Friday will be my last day working for this website. I will miss you all. Truth is, I've decided to leave the media and pursue my life's calling, becoming a full-time saxophone player. Kidding. (gasps) I'm staying in journalism (laughs) where I'll continue to report (laughs) on the weird, wild industry and culture of video games. I plan to take a few weeks off to put the final touches on my second book and hang out with my seven-month-year-old, and then I'll be doing brand new things at a brand new outlet. If you'd like to reach out and share a story, you can find me on Twitter or email me at any time. I'll still be podcasting with my good friends, Kirk Hamilton and Manny Myers, although we'll no longer be hosting Kotaku Split Screen. We're starting a brand new video game podcast that you can learn more about on Twitter. Um, 
I can't remember the name of it, but I did follow the Twitter. triple click. Not that something, you should listen to that. What? You should be. No, stop, stop, guys, guys, stop, stop. They're going to stop listening to us. They're going to stop listening. Stop, stop, stop. Eject, eject, eject. <laughs> um, it's, well, now like, there's no point doing the rest of the episode. If you like split screen, split screen, you'll like this one too. If you didn't like split screen, you might like this one. I don't know. How could you not like split screen? I don't think it would be productive to spend too much time on the reasons I'm leaving, which I think will be obvious. Obvious then to say this. When I think about what happened to Deadspin, bile builds in my throat. After October 29th, 2019, it became clear to me that I could not work at this company for much longer. Uh, and then he continues to talk about uh, things he liked, things, you know, great memories, and all this sort of stuff. But I guess that there's two main takeaways from this. And the, uh, the important one I had when I saw that he was leaving Kotaku was, oh no, is Jason leaving writing about video games? And he was like, no, don't worry. I'm like, oh good. Because that was... I, I honestly feel like if like if he was like no i'm out i'll be like well, like who the fuck keeps a lot of these video game companies in line now like he literally put out a story a week ago to uh follow up one about rockstar where he talked to a bunch of people there uh, anonymously of course as per usual where these people at rockstar are saying that the environment there is actually improving a lot because of his article about their crunch culture and all these other sorts of things and it's forced a lot of the big wigs and horrible people out of Rockstar and they're now doing like courses to make sure people are running within a, a better culture within that company and whatever else. And maybe it, and that, the, that doesn't it's continue on for another also, year. But By the sounds of it, it's also affected how GTA is going to be in the future installments. Um, we have discussions that have come out recently about it. So it's it's very widespread and reaching. All that said, because <laughs> not to go like too much on the GTA thing, but all that his original article said about GTA was some person was like, oh, like where, like he, they said they were on like sort of pre pre production of a game, presumably GTA 6. And then one of the p people he talked about mentioned how they're trying to make sure they get a lot more pre planning in so that it means that when they get into production they don't enter a crunch stage because the planning's already in place of where they need to be at certain mile points and there's no like fucking changing things and they pointed out how um dan um how's a you know le leaving and all this old stuff apparently he was pretty bad for coming in halfway through development of a game and being like you know what i've rewritten this entire section so let's just change everything <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned, GTA 6 was always ages away and it continues to be ages away. <laughs> like, and, and, but then all these people like spun out their own articles from Jason's one where the big positive of his article is, wow, it really sounds like Qatar, um, Rockstar's improving their crunch culture. Isn't that great? And then every other outlet's like, GTA 6 delay. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> How can you how can you delay something that isn't or in know, like proper production or yeah yeah even been properly revealed or anything like that it's uh, yeah yeah it doesn't even doesn't even add up but yeah all of that is Jason um, lots of the other stories we've talked about on here about uh, right and whoever else and uh, well that not all of that was him but all all these other stories and whatever else it's all Jason so the idea of him leaving is weird. I do want to point out that I think Kotaku without Jason is not Kotaku. <laughs> like, I'm really interested to see what the fuck happens to, to Kotaku. Is this, would you think this is similar or even worse than, say, 
Greg Miller leaving IGN. Because I remember Greg <sighs> leaving IGN for me was a big thing because when I thought of IGN, I thought of Greg Miller. Whereas when I think of Kotaku, I think of Jason Schreier. It's... Uh, I Maybe, I guess... Um, I think the difference there is that Greg was a personality and people who were like your, your, your association is from like podcast content, video content and what have you and all this sort of stuff. So when he left, you're like, your, your brain's kind of like, well, what, do I still watch their stuff now? I guess. Yeah. Where maybe because Jason's it's, it's, it's all written work, you know, like apart from the podcast, but like, it's not on the level of Greg stuff ever was. Um, it's, it's quite different i guess because jason leaving kotaku just makes me wonder what kind of website kotaku becomes they still have some good writers there no for sure I, a bunch of the australian ones i really like and i read a lot of kotaku australia stuff but i'm talking like um home base mainline uh, yeah. american kotaku there's only like one or two other people there that i can actually go i enjoy their stuff and there's a lot of people who i think just post kind of whatevery type clickbaity type shit lately yeah like final fantasy seven's easy mode is too easy <laughs> too easy this boss made me learn how to parry yeah a lot of that stuff which yeah um is fine in doses and i, I like uh, and i think it's a lot of just the titles of the articles is becoming annoying to me at this point because i'm like i get that you just want to like do sort of an opinion piece about how this game like made you play in a whatever that's fine but the article's always just so clickbait at the moment anyway Kotaku about jason don't know what the fuck that looks like that'll be interesting where the hell I does think- jason go though it says new outlet that's the other interesting part he's not joining somewhere else it says he's joining a new outlet well, no, but well, you could take it that, or it means a new outlet, as in not Kotaku. Uh, I guess I I automatically took it as a straight up new, like new place. new place. New new. I I know. I think Kotaku without Jason will obviously survive in some form or fashion. Without him there, it just loses some of that prestige that he brings because of his pedigree of work and uh, the kind of articles he puts out. Um, I think that as to where he goes next, I think I heard them talk about it on the kind of funny games daily that uh, obviously there was a big article or interview done by the Washington post. Uh, I think they had like the exclusive discussion with him. They did. He's leaving. Yep. They've got their own uh, video game outlet called like segment called launcher. So that might be something maybe he's going to go work for them. Is that, and that's why they got the exclusive. Okay. Yeah, that would add up, I guess. Yeah, that would add up. I'm keen to... I've never listened to Kind of Funny's uh, the We Have Cool Friends, but I'm probably going to listen to the one with him on it. Yes. That I think is out this week or yeah, something. tomorrow, probably. Okay. I think, from memory. Well, I don't know I'm when it comes Not exactly <laughs> perfect on there. I'm pretty sure which Greg said Monday. And that's which world's Tuesday tomorrow? Night. Like, the world where Arcade Couch is being listened to by the, the masses? World, the world <laughs> listeners tomorrow. Okay, so uh, Tuesday. Okay. You're saying it comes out on Tuesday? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Tuesday Australian time. Yeah. So I'm probably going to listen yeah, to that. Beautiful American <laughs> listeners. There Just are um, lots of interesting s- stuff to come to this. And then, honestly, I'm not surprised by this, though, because him and a lot of other people at Kotaku have been pretty consistently shit-talking their own company ever since the 
Deadspin shit happened back in October, which is what he talks about with the bile in his throat. And I don't know if there's like a good way to sum up that whole Deadspin thing. Deadspin was like a sports website yeah. that wrote stuff, uh, sometimes irreverent stuff. Uh, apparently there was a lot of clash with like the executives about the editorial direction of the site. Uh, mainly one day they put out a memo saying, please only do post stories about sport. Mm. So then the staff of Deadspin put it on the homepage, all stories not involving sport that had been popular in the past. Subsequently, the editor-in-chief got fired that day. And that wow. spiraled out until um, people getting fired, uh, yep. people quitting, mass walkout, yep. mass walkouts, and then every other company that's under that banner, which included Kotaku, all run by the same figureheads, um, they all ended up going on strike. I remember there was a couple of days where no one was uh, at work at Kotaku or wasn't coming into work, but some of them were still posting stuff to be like Good Samaritans, but weren't going into their jobs. Uh, there was a lot to it. You can find lots of interesting articles and stuff about it, but basically uh, I know a lot of Kotaku people that I follow, for example, you'll notice a lot of them still just have like this GMP union thing in their profile pictures and all these other sorts of things still very much fighting the the good fight. Um, so pretty much everyone at Kotaku that I follow on Twitter, I know just doesn't like working for Kotaku, which is, is an interesting uh, yeah. thing to see. I know that it's, and it's from like a, I like this website. I like the people I work with in my general um, vicinity, you know, like the I like direct. My, yeah. I my like my, I like my boss. I like the person that works next to me. However, I don't like my boss's boss's boss. And I don't like the way that trying to hurt the company. It's like saying I like my house, Yeah, but I don't like the suburb I live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that yeah when he announced he was leaving as soon as i i saw it pop up i automatically my brain's like well that's because of that was yeah the whole dead spin type stuff so it will be interesting to see what happens in the future i guess and by the way it does actually say he brand new outlet in his post so like it doesn't say a new outlet as in a new different outlet it says a brand new outlet is the yeah, yeah. to him so it's no, it's why would you say that? No, no, brand no, new I think, outlet. Nah, he wouldn't have specified brand new outlet like that. He's yeah. there's something coming from scratch. Yes, I don't know. Which it seems like a bold move. To well, I don't know. Like start it, something, especially a, for someone like him. Well, no, because it excites me if, it, if if that's what he's doing. Because um, I would say there is too much. Uh, just uh, this is coming from someone who only kind of publishes mostly wanky news pieces on our website but there's too much of that <laughs> and there's not enough actual quote-unquote games journalism right there's yep. th there's only a handful of actual real journalists in games media right jason's one of them so if he goes and yep. starts something where he's sort of given free reigns to potentially hire a couple other people and 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 decide on what they want to work on I would presume that that website is solely going to be a sort of similar thing to Waypoint slash Vice, that sort of more actual journalistic stuff, right? Which is good because I feel like we need a good mix. I, I enjoy IGN. I enjoy GameSpot. I enjoy, you know, all these other sites that just cover your mainstream type stuff. And uh, that's mostly what Kotaku did, apart from when... Like Jason would post something or uh, Cecilia would post something, but she's left now. So 
Um, Heather posts stuff there. Like there was like a key people there, but everyone else was kind of um, typical shit, you know? <coughs> so it could be a, a, an exciting future. I don't know. It, it seems a bit risky to launch a brand new thing at the moment, um, especially with other outlets like stopping taking freelancers, that kind of stuff at the moment. So, uh, yeah. I mean, yes. everyone's still making games. If anybody could, Are if they, anybody, if yeah, anybody slowly. could do it, though, Jason, Jason is somebody who could do it. Like he is, but he is very much capable. As much as we appreciate his work, he is quite divisive within the community as well. Why? So, but even is he divisive? Is good still in the terms of getting views. Even if people like, but if you're only putting out an article that gets massive view, views once, people every that three are months. looking at your articles because they ha- they don't like your opinion are still looking at your articles. Like you're still getting eyes and clicks on the website. I do that all like, the time. <laughs> do it once, <laughs> me too. And we're still riding off of it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, we'll, we'll see soon enough. We'll, we'll find out. Stay tuned. Uh, it's still We're not going to find out anything for like at least a month, as he's said he's taken a few weeks off and whatever else. So anyway, interesting turn of things. There's only one game I want to talk about this week, and it's Animal Crossing again. But I do particularly want to focus on one thing, because I've got a personal story to tell about, to talk about, and I shoved it into this at the end of the show. And then I've also want to talk about this IGN article that was uh, part of the same subject. So I'll start with the IGN article <laughs> and attack my story onto the end of it. Animal Crossing has sparked an insane turnip black market, <laughs> writes IGN. <laughs> if you've been playing Animal Crossing New Horizons, odds are you've become obsessed with turnip prices as everyone else. The vegetable which has been featured in every Animal Crossing game to date is the star crop of New Horizons stalk market, with prices fluctuating between the modestly lucrative to positively ludicrous. Plant enough turnips and you'll be able, you'll be looking at enough bells to essentially turn your island to a five-star resort. This has spurred Animal Crossing's more... I can't say that word. Uh, I can't say it. I know what it is. I cannot say it, so I'm skipping it. Fuck <laughs> you. I don't care. I can't. I literally cannot say the word. Fans do something that would almost certainly land real-world stock analysts in hot water. Across sites like Twitter and the Turnip Exchange, people are coordinating to sell their turnips at the highest price as possible or maybe perform a quick pro pro for access to the island. What's what's emerged out of the Turnip... Th- Thicket is a sort of online black market with multiple price tracking sites, turnip algorithm calculators, and even small armies of bouncers to keep less than honest players in line. Now, this is the part that made me laugh so much about this whole thing. Twitter user Ninji, a 25-year-old software developer who has previously built tools for games like Super Mario Bros. Wii, reverse-engineered Animal Crossing's code using NSA's free reverse-engineering software, Gidra. Using Gidra, Ninji managed to find the Nintendo Switch equivalent of an .exe file, executable file, which in theory would allow them to figure out all of the game's various secrets, including turnip price algorithms. In practice, things weren't so simple. Quote, This compiled code is heavily processed and only includes information that the Switch's processor actually needs to run the game, Ninji told IGN. So all the comments and most of the games in their original source code are gone. It's a big puzzle when you have tiny clues all all over the place that you'd use to find out what specific sections of code to do. Buried in Animal Crossing's code, there's a flag labeled 
First, Kabu Bai. Kabu is Japanese for turnip. And following that trail led Ninji straight to the turnip pricing code. Quote, I figured people would probably be interested in knowing how the turnip pricing worked, but I wasn't quite prepared for how much attention it's gotten, Ninji told IGN. <laughs> it's pretty neat to see something I've done having the impact on so many people, though, even if it's just a tiny way. The code that Ninji eventually posted online would help create the Turnip Project site, created by Mike Profit. Bryant. Profit, sorry, yeah, Turnip Profit. Created by Mike Bryant, which lets users use an algorithm to determine, with a fair amount of accuracy, uh what their turnip prices would be throughout the week. While the turnip pro- profit and similar sites are great for players trying to keep tabs on their personal stock market standings, many players aren't content to wait around. So they've been began visiting sites like Turnip.exchange, created by the team at Warp World, a gaming and streaming developer tool developer. Turnip, turnip Exchange lets users either host their own island and post the current turnip value or request to visit another player's island. Many island hosts are also using their own their island's card on Turnip Exchange to ask for some sort of compensation for entry for their island, often in the forms of bells or specific <laughs> items or recipes. Um, and the article continue, continues on for some time. It's quite interesting to read the rest. But so, A, Turnip Prophecy, the fact that someone dug into the code and found something that's literally like had Turnip in the in the file. Oh my goodness. Like, I just like the idea of him like, Oh my God, here it is. The gold mine, millions of dollars away. Um, I never heard about this article on that website till today. So I've now got it up. So uh, I'm going to try giving that one a whirl to see if it can uh, sort of guesstimate what my (laughs) prices are going to be for the following week. But also the other website, I did use this past week. So I do want to tell this story because I think it's quite funny. I was originally going to write an article because I thought I captured video for a certain part of it. However, the, the video didn't turn out high enough quality and the image was kind of fucked because um, I was dodgily trying to record it on the side as I was doing uh, something else on my other monitor. Anyway, here's my story. Here's my turnip story for everyone. I brought, I had 80 something thousand dollars, bells. I'm just going to call it dollars though. Bells. I'm just going to call it dollars because it's easy. Use the correct terms. Oh, yeah. sorry. Use the, terms. Use the bells. Right. So, Stick with the bells. Be freaking genuine. Sorry. Gosh. I had like 80 something thousand bells saved up in my account and sunday was approaching last week and i made sure not to spend any money so i could have as many as i could i know this is much money but this is my first last weekend was my first time i remembered i could have brought turnips the sunday before but i completely forgot that you have to do it between um 5 a.m and 12 p.m or something something like that. you have to do it before noon that's the only time you can buy the turnips which is also quite funny so i wake up at 8 30 whatever i'm like fuck i better get straight on this turnip shit Go over, find the turnip selling character, grab all my money out of the bank, grab all my bells, take them over. I purchased a total of 780 turnips at, I think it was 107 bells each, which I wouldn't say is like super high, but it's not low. It's probably like... It's a mid-range. It's a mid-range price, I think is what I go. Then I waited a day because you have to wait next. You can't sell turnips the same day you get them. So Monday rolls around. I'm like, okay, cool. Better get on to trying to sell these motherfuckers and making a profit. And straight away, I'm, I'm setting rules. I'm like, I'm not selling these for anything less than like... Okay. Did you... It's someone did you, not who doesn't know about Animal Crossing. Who are you selling these to? Okay. okay yeah, good point. Good question. Good question. I'm, help, I'm, I'm, good, I'm glad you kept me in line here. So the Nooks, which are uh, Timmy and Tommy, I think Tommy. is the one's name, who are the two of a 
Tanuki, Tanuki characters, uh, Nook siblings, or whatever brothers, or Nook. yeah, they're the ones that come to the island with Tom Nook, right? After you, after you progress to a certain point in the game, they set up their own shop, and that's when you can start buying the turnips, and you can also start selling the turnips. And basically, when you walk into their shop where they sell random items, including just miscellaneous shit, you can ask them every day what price are you buying turnips for, and they will have a different price between that like 5 a.m. to 12 p.m. and then 12 p.m. till uh, nighttime. They have until they close at 10 p.m. I think is when their shop closes. Um, so they have two prices a day and you can check your prices then. So you can you can sell your turnips to your own Timmy and Tommy Nook or you can, of course, travel to someone else's island and you sell your turnips to that person's version of Timmy and Tommy, which is also a funny part of... Uh, Animal Crossing in general, the fact that these characters just have like multiple versions apparently in the infinite universe of traveling across to people's islands. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, the islands are not on the same world. They're all ultimate they're yeah, multiverse. That plane travels through fucking dimensions. So that's where you're selling these turnips, right? Um, so I I did I did know about this second website that I just read it, told you about here. This turnip.exchange is the one I, I did know about when I brought my turnips. So I opened up that website Monday after checking my turnip prices and they were like, yeah, we can buy them for 67 bells each. I'm like, no, that's fucking half of what I paid, mate. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> so, and I, I'm automatically like, I, I want to get a good jump start on this shit because as much as I'm not, I, I think time traveling and Animal Crossing is kind of stupid and defeats the purpose of the game. I think the fact that people have set up websites to like kind of communicate and everything, completely on board with it. I think that's great. I think it just shows like what, how funny it is that we can play video games in the current like 2020 people do crazy things i think it's perfectly okay it's no different than if you and like 20 other friends set up a fucking facebook group chat to exchange and update each other all go for god it's like setting up chat uh, like groups so you can team up together to get trophies and shit yeah i mean it's 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 not cheating as far as i'm concerned um no. So I go and turn up a change and I'm trying and what I discover quickly is that people will basically set uh, either certain parameters. So they'll be like, I'm allowing one person on my island at a time and I'm going to set a max queue of like 60 people. And even then they'll take hours to get through that many people. Other people will uh, allow the max amount of people you can have on an island, which I think is like seven. And then they'll have like the max queue at only like 30 and just try and get through them or whatever else. Um, and then also some people will put in their descriptions. I want a hundred K when you come to my island. And if not, if you, if you don't drop it, then I'm, I'm shutting down the, the thing. Other people are just like, I don't need anything. Donate if you feel like it. Just go for gold. So you've got like people that are really trying to suck dry people for for helping out and others who are like, go for it. Good for God. So my first night, Monday night, I was in queue as I was doing stuff on my PC because this is this is the thing with turnip selling. You discover quickly that it's not something you sit there and do. It's you have opened this website. You have your switch open somewhere. You, you, you're good to go if you can get in somewhere. And if not, you, 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 you're watching or playing something else elsewhere. My first queue, I got in at place 40-something out of 50 uh, of the place that we're trying to sell for 523. I thought I hit the fucking gold mine. I'm like, I'm about to be so <laughs> fucking rich. I sat in this queue for several hours. And once I got to the high 20s, I think, position, they, for whatever reason, shut down and everyone else in the queue was quit and they must have closed down their island. So I was like, well, that's a good lesson in what the fuck can happen with this 
turnip pricing. Now, if I wanted to get a lower price, if I wanted to get around the high hundreds, low 200s, I would have had a way easier job. I probably could have jumped in one of those queues, gone for gold, still made a profit, walked away happy. I ain't doing that. I'm not settling for anything less than like 300 something fucking bells for these, these turnips, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty committed. So I come back the next day, up early, turnips ready, computer off to go. I had to do something on my computer uh, that, that morning anyway. One monitor set up, turnip prices, off we go. I have it, I downloaded a Chrome extension, auto refresh. I set it for 15 seconds. Every time uh, I had my, I was, I was watching this certain video for, for Explosion Network work related purposes. I had pen and paper in hand as I was taking notes about this one thing. I had my mouse centered over the other monitor and the Turnip Price website. Every time I'd see it refresh, I'd call to my eye every 15 seconds. I would just try and automatically click on whatever the highest price turnip thing to see if I'd get in a queue. I couldn't for an hour. Every time the queues would just fill up so fucking fast that I couldn't get in. Eventually, I managed to get in the queue. They were allowing a max of, I think, 30 people, something like that. And I managed to get in at like 29th or 28th or some shit as I got in. And they, they were selling for three, no, four, 423 or some shit. So once again, I'm like, I'm fucking, yeah, let, let's go. Let's go. I'm, I'm going to be very happy if I can actually sell these fucking turnips. <laughs> now, they're allowing one person on at a time though. So I know I'm in for the long haul here. I'm like, okay, monitor up, off I go. Um, all these other sorts of things. But what I quickly realized that made this more interesting is in the description, and I've discovered recently that this is a, a common thing that people are doing on Twitch at the moment. This person had linked their Twitch channel in the description on the turnup.exchange website and said like, um, it said, don't require anything, but if you feel like donating me any bells or furniture, uh, would be appreciated. Also, I'm streaming on Twitch at the moment. So I head over to their Twitch channel and I discover it's a girl who's got um, her Animal Crossing game in like the lower right-hand corner just sitting there and uh, just so you can see people come and go. She had fenced off everything from the airport to the shop so she didn't have to pay attention. No one could wreck her, her island or anything. And what it actually said was she was recording a podcast, but not live. So she was muted at the time and you could just see her like talking. And then everyone else in the chat was just talking about Animal Crossing while watching people come and go from her island. People would come, they would open up chat in Animal Crossing and say like, hi chat or some shit. And then like drop bells for her, even though she's not paying any attention. And I'm like, this is rather wholesome shit to be watching, honestly. <laughs> um, so I had that open. I eventually got done with what I needed to do here. I'm over monitor. I went and made fucking food. I was in line for two, two and a half-ish hours by the time I got to the top position, right? I think I once I got to like third, I was like, please, don't. At one stage, she she finished recording and she actually got on stream and starts talking to the chat and uh, she was eating her lunch or some shit. She was just talking to everyone and... Um, taken bells or whatever. I cannot remember her name, Ross. I would fucking punch it. And I, I would have known if my video quality thing, that's completely my fault. I fucked up the recording. Just I look through your history. No, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but it, um, so I get sure, the no, it's below. <laughs> I get the third. And that this is the funniest part. I'm like, fuck, I'm third. I'm getting, I'm getting close. Like, 
Now I'm actually paying attention to what's happening on the stream more and I've got my Switch ready. I'm like, oh, sell my first turn-offs. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be on stream. I should probably do something funny as well at the same time. I've got, got to make a meme here. Now, I had on my island at the same time, I can't remember the character's name, but this character randomly shows up on your island every like two days a week and they sell randomized clothing. And one person, uh, one piece of clothing they were selling on this particular day was uh, one of those, it was a dress, but it's like those versions of T-shirts you see where they're just giant tiger faces on them and they're the things your grandmother buys you but you never wear. Like those types mm -hmm. of horrible animal picture type shit. And it's cringy as fuck. However, I thought it was hilarious because as I saw it, <laughs> it was purple, had a giant tiger on it and automatically I brought myself one because I'm like, fucking Carol Baskin, that bitch would wear this shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I brought myself one already. I went back and brought a second one, went and brought wrapping paper from the Nook store, wrapped that shit up and then I <laughs> took it with me. And I, and I was like, look, I don't have that many turnips. I've only got seven, whatever. That's low. People take like, fucking million thousands. like thousands yeah. wait thousands to yeah. sell right so i'm not selling many so i'm like i'm gonna give her a donation though because i think in my mind 10 percent is pretty good so i i did the maths i'm like cool i'm gonna be dropping her uh 30k or something like that is what i'm gonna be selling these t these turnips for and i'm gonna drop this money and i'm gonna drop the the shirt so i head over to ireland First time I traveled to anyone's island either, by the way. I never never done it, any traveling. I was like, oh, this is <gasps> this is exciting. This is cool. And I had the stream open and it like said visitors coming in. And my screen's like, uh, you're visiting this person's oh, island. I'm no. like, oh, this is great. <laughs> and then <laughs> I get down and because there's obviously delay on Twitch. So I'm like, this is going to be quite funny. I head into the store and I sell my turnips. I buy cherries because her island's home fruit was cherries and I didn't have those yet. So I made sure to buy some of those straight away. And then I head out, of course, to a, do a little like happy, like joy thing that everyone does in fucking Animal Crossing. And then I drop my 10K and I drop the present. And then I head straight for the airport and I get out of here. And then straight away I found it funny how her first comment was like, oh, wow, that Dylan guy was fast. Everyone else was taking so long. To, and I'm like, look, <laughs> speed up the process. We'll all get to sell our fucking turnips. I was in and out and under a minute. I was fucking, yeah, let's go. So, but what was funny is by the time I'd left and my, my game was loading me back to my island, I'm like, okay, the stream's caught up to me dropping this stuff now. So then I see her pick up the money. It's like, oh, cool, thanks. And then I see her pick up the shirt and then she goes into her inventory and because she doesn't know what it is yet. And then she clicks it on and then she just starts laughing straight away. And then she's like, ah, it's funny actually because me and my friends were talking about Tiger King last night. And I was like, fucking lol, because that's exactly why I gave it to you. <laughs> I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> so funny. And yeah, I think overall, I was just like, I, I think I sold my turnips for 380,000, which is fuck all bells. But I was really happy, obviously, it was my first uh, batch. And so that was great. But I would just like to say that overall, that experience of waiting in line for hours to sell turnips at a different person's island and then also watching them react to shit on twitch at the same time I, it was the most like 21st century kind of uh thing i've had happen in a while where i'm like we live in a funny day and age don't we but also it was very wholesome yeah. kind of uh experience where you could just do something like that you know there's so many random things that led me there from, from her having a twitch in a thing and then being able to watch it I'm like this is this is wholesome content i'm like i appreciate animal crossing and the fact that we can do this turnip exchange i'm like this was a a good experience so that is my uh dylan's first turn up selling experience turn up for what turn yes. up for what turn up for <laughs> looks uh why were people taking so long 
I, That's my question. I honestly don't know. Get in, get out. That's I think, the key. I, th- I think but, she had a fence so you could get into her, her museum. I think for whatever reason. Uh, I'm not sure if you go in someone's museum and if you don't like have their fish, it'll mark it in your book, but as you don't... It'll mark it potentially, but maybe not mark it that you actually have caught it kind of thing. So I don't know if people are doing that. But people are taking forever. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, let's go. Let's fucking speed this shit up. You know. And then uh, I saw you on Twitter today doing the Good Samaritan stuff, giving your access to your island for um, friend of the show to have access to turnip prices for a decent price. Yeah, Rock and Mummy was like, oh, yeah. does anyone... Because that's the other thing with turnips. Uh, if you wait, they rot on Sunday. So you have a week to sell them. So it is proper stock market. <laughs> you've got to you got to you got to be on the ball is with this. Shit. Yeah, you got to be on. Pretty the sure some stocks don't. No, they all fall after a week. Ash, I don't know who the fuck's been telling you. Um, they all got the. Yeah. <laughs> and my prices were only 158. I think this morning when I saw her tweet, and there was only half an hour left. But I was still just like, come, come one on one. 158. If uh, compared to losing them, I'm pretty sure it's still <laughs> bad enough. I think she said she brought it's them for like yeah. better than a She had 60 or something. 60. Like 60 oh yeah, so she, that's, that's, that's a pretty good profit margin. There. It's like yeah. double your she money. Got, yeah, more than double. Can Can I say from a game that on the outside looks a very uh, child friendly game or a very childish game, from <laughs> an outsider looking in, this game's economic implications <laughs> in teaching people about economics is goddamn insane. <laughs> like, it is so... Like, I'm so impressed from, like, reading this, listening to you talk about this, like, teaching people about mortgages and <laughs> about having, like... Like, just all this economic stuff about, you know, like, farming and stuff like that. It's like, you know what? Good on you, Animal Crossing. Nice. Good good job actually yeah. teaching people and making them work together to make uh, better profits for themselves. Super and, yeah, educational it's a, game. It's a... Uh, yeah, it makes you makes you think and makes you learn, and that's uh, that's pretty fun. My, my, my farm's my um. I've i set up an orchard now again, and uh, that's my backup. Hopefully, big money maker now. I've been I've been extending that recently. I've got some more fruit because your home fruit sells for a hundred bells. Fuck all. But other people's fruit, when you grow it on your island, they sell for five hundred bells each. So it's like, give me give me all of that shit. I got fucking so so. Dylan, have you done the smart thing of that of that three hundred k that you earned from turnips this week? Did you keep like a hundred k back to self to to buy turnips? I've kept like two hundred eighty to... of it. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. You're going all in on turnips. Oh fuck yeah! yeah. I got to make sure I get enough money. They see, I, I I've only got one room in my house, and I've noticed that other, which I think is still like you have to, four you have or to, five away from a full house. <laughs> yes, but, you still you have to like almost remortgage your house. Yeah. To get more rooms. See, my, my current mortgage is 380. That's the funny thing. Uh, so I could have paid it off and started another being mm-hmm. build another room. However, I'm like, that's stupid because I'm pretty good with the space I have now and I don't need to go crazy with that. So use like 100k during the week on um, building some other random bits and pieces around the island or whatever. But now I save most of it because I'm going to buy more turnips this on Sunday. Um, spoilers we're recording on Saturday. Um, they, uh, I'm going to buy more t- turnips <laughs> tomorrow and then, uh, look to invest them again go for the whole thing. Now, there, there, I, if I get a good profit though, there will be a point where I'm like, I'm good. I don't need to go crazy on the whole like turnip thing. Like I feel like if I can buy a fuck ton and then sell them for around the same price I got this past week, I'll probably be good personally to kind of like, I don't know how much your last home loan costs. You but, think uh, that, like, but then is the then time investment happens? worthwhile? Yeah. Well, and I, a lot of people want lots of money because they're trying to buy all the items in the game and stuff. And some of them, like the crown, I know costs like nine, 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 and like it's ridiculous price. I'm like, the that's not yeah. me. 
So I I want enough to Currently. pay off. <laughs> I want enough to pay off my home <laughs> loan and these sorts of things. But anyway, it's it's been a fun experience. And definitely not something I've, well, I can say I've had with any other game. <laughs> we're all just waiting for the moment where like Sunday comes around. Dylan's forgotten to sell his turnips. He finds them rotted in his inventory and he just rips off his shirt. Listen, <laughs> I love seeing stories of people doing the time skip thing. And they've turned up the the price. They rot, right? And they lose all yeah. their turnips. If you time skip while you got turnips, they rot. It's fucking hilarious. Love it, love <laughs> it. Um, but yeah. Also, the, the since well, no, before we wrap up, I will say I quote unquote finished the game this past week finally. So I'm going to probably work on a review uh, in the next couple of days because I feel like I can finally. But it's really weird though because you finish the game and then it's like okay, cool. Now you have the options for. Uh, all the stuff that we showed you in that last Nintendo Direct, like terraforming, you can uh, build mountains now, you can extend or delete uh, like the water so you can make lakes or rivers, whatever you want. All these features that they spent the last big Nintendo Direct about Animal Crossing talking about, all only unlock once you've quote-unquote beat the game. So I'm like, well, I need at least to play with these features before I can properly... <laughs> lock in how I feel about the game I feel so yeah. I kept extending because originally I was like I'll probably write a review once I finish the game then I finish the game that's like uh, I probably need to put some more time in with these tools so now I'm like extending <laughs> how long I need to play with it which was good though because straight away I went over to my orchard I'm like I can fucking there was, a, there was a small like pond in there that was annoying me fucking delete that kill get the fish that was in there <laughs> get the fuck out of here extended the, the land a bit more got more room for trees now oh it's fucking it's, it's good shit it's really weird <laughs> this game because I never played um Stradu Valley or whatever the fuck it's called never played that Stardew Valley yeah whatever never played that never played um Animal Crossing before never played Minecraft before until last year at Parks like I, I feel like the whole uh these sorts of similar games Man. or adjacent games, uh, I've never it, been into. But I'm, I'm, I'm it off. still just blows my mind that you haven't played Minecraft. Like it's so weird. I will be playing like, it soon. I know. <laughs> yeah, like it's so. It's just so odd that you actually. Have you ever played Minecraft? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just. I'm a one person of those with where, a gaming console. <laughs> well, I just presume. <laughs> I a fucking kid. I just presumed that, like, because Dylan, like, we were in high school at pretty much the same it's, time. <laughs> no, I was weren't. out when you were a kid. No. Like, I was just presumed that, like, year seven, year eight of high school is just where, like, everybody gets Minecraft and just starts playing Minecraft See, for ages. you was in year seven, eight, no, seven, and that's when everyone started playing with you. I was in year ten. You're not two years older than me. Basically. You're only a year ahead of me. <laughs> But again, <laughs> it took so long to get Tasmania, who was in year 10 by then. No, I remember, <laughs> I think, the, I honestly believe the reason I never got into Minecraft is because that when it started to become popular, it, I just was like, it's all, all I hear about is kids playing it. All I hear about is these fucking annoying YouTubers playing it that I don't like. And I'm like, I, this is, and also it's not like any game I've ever played before. And I was just super like, no. Nope. It also came out, <laughs> it was also about the similar time of League of Legends. Like, it was similar to League coming out as Minecraft. So I was playing League then, I guess, was my problem. Yeah, you were into <laughs> League as well at the time. That's what, that, that was my trade-off there. But, uh, yeah, there's my Animal Crossing turn-up story. I, th I thought that was quite an amusing story. I've uh, happily told it now to this podcast and several other people. I think I, already I told it to Ash before recording spoilers. Yeah. So uh, Ash has had to hear it twice. <laughs> but that's fine. I feel like I told it more... With, uh, it was better this time, I would argue. Yeah, I, told, I told it with more cinematic flair for this podcast, whereas with you, I was like, lol, no, funny thing yeah. happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guess what? Sold these tournaments. Got a bunch of money. <laughs> it was great. Tiger King. I'm rich, bitch. Carol Baskin. 
That bitch cow basket. Yeah, that was my funniest part. I loved it. I, lo- I loved it. That was it. That was great. Um, yeah, add me. On, uh, you can add me on Switch. Go look on Twitter. Ask me for it. Come to my. Like, invite me to your island if you got high <laughs> turnip prices. <laughs> Please, Lord. Yeah. If you got high turnip prices, tweet at Viva Liddell. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This week's question is Do you have high turnip prices? <laughs> <laughs> And that'll do it for this week's episode of Arcade Couch. Don't forget, you can find all of us on Twitter by heading to explosionnetwork.com slash Twitter. Um, you can let us know any uh, of your questions, thoughts, or Animal Crossing tips and tricks on by emailing mail at explosionnetwork.com with the subject line Arcade Couch. And we will hear, see you here next week. Same time, same couch, higher turn-up prices. Boy! Don't forget you can subscribe to the show wherever you're currently listening and you can drop a review if you can. Find more great shows like this and more content over at ExplosionNetwork.com and please consider supporting us for as little as a dollar over on our Ko-fi page by heading to ExplosionNetwork.com slash support. Thanks for listening.